This is the Mutual Audio Drama Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. This is the Transmissions from Atlantis Entertainment Network. Expand your wonder. Hey there, folks. JC Delatore, head writer and creator of Continuum Force. We thank you for joining us and hope you enjoy this time traveling adventure. This show and other shows on the Transmissions from Atlantis Network are audience supported, meaning without your help, we can't exist. So if you enjoy our shows, please tell your friends, rate our show, and if you have an extra dollar or two, become one of our patrons on Patreon. Becoming one of our patron supporters gets you early access to commercial free versions of these episodes behind-the-scenes goodies, interviews with cast and the creators, plus Patreon-exclusive episodes of this show and others that you won't be able to get anywhere else. Okay, enough from me. Let's see what the crew of the Continuum have in store for us this week. An elite force of time travelers discover a terrible truth. The chronicles we've known may not be our past. It could have been altered, our memories changed, and history itself set on a different path. They investigate these anomalies, traveling to different periods of our ancient past to stop a malevolent enemy trying to write a new chapter in humanity's story. They are our only defense. Heroes of ages ago, today, and the future. They are the Continuum Force. And this is Chapter 1, The Inspection. Project Continuum Senate Subcommittee Mission Log Audio Version Senators, please remember, this recording is classified top secret, Mobius, and the contents should not be removed from these secured chambers. No recording devices, cell phones, or other copying devices are permitted while this audio is playing. Upon completion... Please return the container of the recording to the courier. Transcripts provided are for your eyes only. Mission 0203B734 The Cranston Inspection Personal Log Colonel Connor Dannard United States Continuum Force We just got back and I'm in the sick bay yet again. This time, I took a bullet from a crazed pirate, Charles Vane. How did I get myself in such a predicament? Well, of course, I was trying to be the hero again. But listen, Cox was being threatened by this guy, and I couldn't just let it happen. I had to challenge him. Besides, listen to this freak. Sally, please add to Mission Audio 27-2 to the log. Confirmed. All right, you dogs. Over there lies the Andromeda. Thirty cannons about her beautiful starboard side and looking to tear you to bits. 
I want you to fight like the mangy mongrels you are! In her gully is a hundred thousand pieces of eight and twenty pieces of Mayan gold. I want the ship! I want the money! I want the gold! Come, me hearties! Our booty waits! Yeah! I had no idea they really talk like that. I know, right? I thought Robert Louis Stevenson made that up. <laughs> Fire, you scallywags! Fire! See what I mean? The guy was just a psycho. Borman and Ace were right. Who knew they talked like that? Anyway, I don't think the mission was very successful, since I got shot and we never really figured out what is causing that strange anomaly in the historical record that Sally detected. And now we have to deal with Senator Cranston's inspection. Why can't they just let us do our jobs? Personal log. Pilot Buzz Borman. As usual, the flyboy was way over his head. Nearly got us all killed. We were setting up this op for weeks. Multiple jumps, making it appear like we had been in Vane's crew for years. We finally have him attacking the Andromeda, and then Dannard goes and tries to be the hero. Candy ass. Mission Audio 27-5C From the Continuum Archaeologist Eli Scherzberg is on the ship. Sally, can you give me a visual on the battle? Negative, Dr. Scherzberg. All external visual devices are obscured at this time. It sounds so violent. I can feel the percussion of the cannons rattling through the ship. Duh. It appears the sloop has a decided advantage in speed and maneuverability. I give the pirates a 75.3% chance of victory. Be on alert! We may need to pick up the others quickly! Confirmed, Doctor. We've been on this mission for days, jumping to different time strings to enable Dennard and Cox to blend with the Andromeda, and Ace and Borman to join Charles Vane's pirate crew. As far as those captains know, they've been crew members for months. Dannard has even risen to Warguard's first officer, something unheard of for an African-American during this time. He was always an overachiever, Dr. Schoesberg. Ever since we received that anomaly warning from you, things just haven't added up. Charles Vane wasn't supposed to begin his reign of terror until 1718. We're a year early. What was the fate of the Andromeda? Information incomplete. What? How is that possible? There is no record of the Andromeda falling prey to the dreaded pirate Charles Vane, or any other act of piracy. It continued as a merchant vessel until 1734, when it was decom- Fine, fine. Thank you. This is highly irregular. Could the historical documents be wrong? There is no indication of inaccuracy in the historical record. Personal log of Dr. Eli Schersberg. 
We saw Colonel Dannard fall from the deck of the Andromeda. We weren't even sure he survived it. Somehow he did. The others seemed to abandon ship in the same fashion after the colonel went down. Thankfully, the ship was cloaked. The pirates just thought they killed themselves. Mission audio 27-7C. Sally, we got him. Seal the hatch and return to space. Uh, very good, Doctor. How's Connor? Stable. It got him at a good spot. Now hold on a damn minute. Senator Tiberius Cranston. Republican, South Carolina. Member of the Project Continuum Senate Subcommittee. The following is the audio recording of his inspection of Continuum Base at Malmstrom Air Force Base, Montana. Deemed relevant to this committee's review at the request of Senator Cranston. Are you telling me after all this time and money that we spent on this mission, you idiots ended up with nothing? General O'Shaughnessy, what kind of outfit are you running here? Senator, I have the utmost confidence in my team. Do you? Based on... Now, Senator Cranston, sir... We weren't able to determine the cause of the anomaly, but... But nothing. I'm not a freshman on the hill, young man. Yes, sir. And I know your record. Military tribunal for insubordination. Dr. Alala, what the hell were you thinking putting this man in charge? Senator, Colonel Dannon's work is excellent. He's a decorated military man, a leader, and the first man to pass all of our rigorous tests. Yes, tests. It took us over 50 damn years since your father stumbled upon the time travel aspect of this crashed vessel until we could do our own experiments. This was the first mission, correct? Yes. Senator, we understand that this mission didn't go as planned, but it was our first go, and hell, it worked. We time traveled. We investigated the anomaly. And we got what exactly, General? I can't even see video of this cockamamie thing. Just audio. How do I know this isn't some Hollywood production so you can keep milking the damn cow? Uncontrovertible proof that Charles Vane began his reign of terror in 1717. Plus, the artifacts we recovered during the reconnaissance. And that gives me what exactly? You see, Doctor, I gotta take this back to the President. And he's gonna be madder than a hornet in heat that we just dropped a billion dollars, got a man wounded, and ended up with nothing but a great fishtail. Sir, maybe if the Senator was shown around the facility, he'll have a better understanding of what we do here. I'd like that. And I'd also like to know, Dr. Alala, why you'd choose an old coot like Buzz Borman to be your pilot. He was one of the most experienced pilots from NASA. Part of the mission required space travel. He also got kicked out of NASA for being a moral pain in the ass. Sir, I don't understand why you're- I'll ask the questions here, young lady. Okay, uh, this- this Leslie Barber, your chief scientist? Ace, yes. Ace? She likes to be called Ace. Why, was she some sort of pilot as well? No, sir. It's a family nickname, and for other reasons. She... you know what? Never mind. I see she's just 24 years old, only has theory, no experience in the field. No one does. It was all theory until now. And why her? She's a prodigy. Senator, she graduated with her dual PhD in astronomy and astrophysics at age 20, and I had been following her career. I recruited her right after graduation. If it wasn't for her, we may never have figured out what allowed the Roswell craft to travel through time. But she's pretty damn worthless on away missions, isn't she? I respectfully disagree. 
In fact, it seems the only one that belongs here is... Cox. Lieutenant Denise Cox. But even here it says she's a timid type. Doesn't speak much. Tiberius, it's time we toured the base. Save your tongue lashing for later. Fine. But I want to see everything. None of this sorry is classified bull- Oh, you will, Senator. Trust me, you will. In 1947, in New Mexico, a small, unidentified flying object crashed. In the craft were three small beings. With me so far? I read the reports, Killian. Roswell, right? Indeed. The beings died during impact. So we learned little from them other than their physiology. The craft, though? That gave us a bountiful assortment of information. We were certain that the craft was alien in origin and not Russian. But there was a good deal of concern that the Russians might have also captured an alien craft. So our scientists went to work on trying to reverse engineer the craft as quickly as they could. What about the little green men? We didn't know what to make of those. Some thought they could be some type of bioengineered human clone because they nearly had all of our organs, our anatomy, with the exception of a discernible sex. They were, however, vastly different from us in skin texture and muscle mass. They also lacked voice boxes. We just weren't ready to admit they were extraterrestrial. Wow. Would you look at that thing? I guess we did reverse engineer the stealth from that UFO. Yes, this baby is the stealth's daddy. In fact, many of our aircraft were developed from this thing. But our most amazing discovery was in the 1960s by Dr. Alala's father. Yes, it was quite by accident, really. My father was a scientist that was working on one of the internal instrument panels of the craft. He inadvertently revived the craft's systems, and for just a brief second, there was a flash. While his fellow workers outside the craft insisted it was only gone for a second, the onboard records indicate he was transported back in time, to the age of the dinosaurs, and they were there for several days. Yes, in the report it mentioned that. And it's one thing that has me puzzled. I thought time travel was impossible. We thought so, until 1963. As I said, my father discovered it quite accidentally. Only, it wasn't just him. Others inside and on top of the craft were also transported when it connected to what we call a cosmic string and yanked backward. Those on the exterior were vaporized, or at least we believe that's what happened. No trace was ever found. I don't think the report mentioned how they made it back. After a few days of retracing his steps, my father figured out a way to reverse the string and it snapped them back to our time. They were lucky. Most strings dissipate after a few hours. Theirs held strong for an unusually long duration. Wait, I thought your father was missing. Yes, sir. He disappeared right before they strung back. The sequence had already begun when he left the vessel. No one knows why he did what he did or what became of him. 
My theory is he somehow created a paradox and is lost in the ether of time. And all this time you've been trying to make it work again. From that moment on, we understood what we had. A time machine? We call it a CTC. A what? A closed time capsule. I'm sorry, Doctor. I'm a humble representative from South Carolina. This stuff is a bit above my pay grade. The ship functions under the principles of a closed time-like curve. It is a material particle in space-time that, as the name suggests, is closed, returning it to its starting point. It is this particle that allows time travel. Okay. Basically, the ship initiates the curve at a designated location and time, then uses a cosmic string to rip it from our existence to the destination existence and return it again when completed. Wait, so the occupants of the UFO, were they actually aliens or just beings from the future? We can't say with certainty. No, I believe they were aliens. I think that's how they traveled to our planet. Think about it. Traveling vast distances between galaxies is just impossible with propulsion systems that we know of. It would take lifetimes just to reach another star in our galaxy. But what if you had the ability to control time? You could plot a course, plug in the time you wanted to be there, and presto, you're there in a flash. Makes sense. That's why we're here, Senator to figure out how to make the thing go presto. Anyway, come with us. There's some more folks you need to meet. Senator Cranston, I'd like to introduce you to the brains of Project Continuum, Drs. Eli and Sharon Scherzberg from Israeli Antiquities and the University in Jerusalem. Hello, Senator. A pleasure to meet you. Yes, welcome. My husband and I have been on this project for quite some time. Ten years, in fact. Nine years. No, ten years. You can't even remember how many years we've been married. How should you remember how many years we've been here? <clears throat> Let's just call it nine and a half. At any rate, it's good to see the government finally taking an interest. Doctors, good to meet you. And trust me, the government is very interested in this project. Eli, why don't you tell the senator what it is you do here? Ah, yes. Well, the wife and I are the chief archaeologists on Project Continuum. I'm part of the departure team, while Sharan here looks at whatever artifacts we bring back with us. Bring back? But what about, you know... The butterfly effect? Why would we be worried about that terrible Ashton Kutcher movie? No, dear. You know. Step on a butterfly in the past. It has a huge set of ramifications for the future. Of course. Sorry, Senator. I am used to leaving the physics to our other experts. We are very cognizant of the time paradoxes that can occur from our traveling through time. We do have a set of rules that govern our string treks. Oh, really? That wasn't in my dossier. What are these rules? One, no matter the circumstances, never attempt to change the course of history. Two, never approach figures of historical significance. Anything you say or do 
can change the course of human history. Three, never interact with any person or animal in the past unless mission parameters allow you to do so. And even in such cases, do so with great restraint. Four, never allow any person from the past to know your true identity or mission. Five, never allow yourself to be captured. Six, never impersonate a deity, oracle, or seer. Seven, never use your knowledge of the future for personal gain. Eight, never forget where you left the CTC. Nine, never leave any tech around that can be found and later reverse engineered to change history. 10. If you are stranded in the past, destroy the CTC, be mindful of history, and do nothing that could possibly change it. Continue to live out your life as a member of that time period. Interesting. Wouldn't you say you've already broken some of these rules with your pirate mission? Uh, no. I wouldn't agree with that. Of course, you know Denise Cox has been instrumental in helping us put the finishing touches on the CTC. She's got the propulsion systems for spaceflight, EMP if they need it, cloaking device. Did you say cloaking device? <laughs> Sorry, that's a little Star Trek term, but yes, essentially, it's a cloaking device. It's some tech we liberated from the Japanese. Thank you, professors. We'll have some more time to debrief later. Killian, the president still has a lot of concerns. Oh? For example, this A35 chip or whatever it's called. The AE35 chip is a neurotransmitter that is embedded in the brain of all of our away team. It allows Sally to speak with the crew and automatically translates languages from ancient dialects, allowing our team to speak and understand foreign or even dead languages. Brain surgery? What about the lasting effects? The lawsuits are sure to come later. All of our team signed waivers. And this AI, Sally, how do you know she won't go, you know, how? Oh no. When we liberated Sally from the Russian mainframe, we made sure that our squints reviewed every line of code to ensure no such incidents could occur. Yes, it's all fun and games until the robots rise and create Skynet. <laughs> You've watched too many movies, Senator. give this no justice. My God! Senator, meet CTC-0001. The Continuum. Wow, this thing looks like the B-2 in the Roswell ship had a baby. There are no jets from the metal, or rivets. It doesn't even look like metal. No, it's not a metal known to this planet. We salvaged it from the Roswell crash, plus a few other crashes throughout the world, and figured out a way to form it to what we'd like. Sally, please open. This area is dedicated to the project stations. That large table is a top-of-the-line holographic workbench. Engineering is that way, and the bunks are that way. But the bridge is this way. 
General on the bridge? Sir. At ease, everyone. This place is like the Enterprise. Indeed, the bridge is like any other vessel. It's the nerve center of the entire ship. Helm, navigation, of course the captain's seat. Uh, Colonel Dannard will be down here shortly for another mission. Why don't you stick around for a bit? I wish I could, but I've got to get back to the hill. General, I think we have an understanding, but know this. There are concerns about this crew, and you and Dr. Alala are under a microscope right now for some of the personnel decisions that you've made. It's put the entire project at risk. I assure you, sir, you need not worry. Perhaps, but we'll need to start seeing some tangible results and get some answers regarding some of these anomalies. We'll get them, Senator. I trust my team immensely. Senator, welcome to TARDIS Airlines. Please, take your seat. Oh, make sure your tray table and seat backs are in their up and locked positions. He's the one I'm most worried about. I'll see you out, Senator. Folks, best of luck on this mission. Debrief one hour after. Where, uh, when are they going? Sally detected another anomaly in the year 1918. I wish I could stay to see this mission. Well, I guess hear it. By the way, when are we getting video on these damn things? Some of us would like to see these trips to the past. We are working on that, sir. I assure you. For now, only audio recordings seem to make it through the time dilation process. Any video we've tried to get through gives us nothing but static. Damn. Certainly Ms. Cox can figure that one out. Anywho, General, let's get some results. You know how the President can get impatient. <laughs> I most certainly do, Senator. Don't worry. We will get them. Mission Audio 28-1 Warning. Capacity of this device not sufficient for the entire mission audio log. Okay, team. This one shouldn't be as hair-raising as the last one. We can only hope. Sound off. We are go for string departure. Navigation? Is the time curve plotted? Yes, sir. We are set for January 7th, 1918, approximately 10.22 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> Approximately, huh? Okay. Engineering, how are we looking? Dinotherms are connected. Mega thrusters are a go, sir. Lieutenant? Sorry, sir. Thought I'd lighten the mood with some engineering humor. The CTC drive is online. Cloaking device is ready at your command, sir. Cox, I had no idea you had a sense of humor. I like it. Thank you, sir. Ace, mark our current date. Marked. Okay. It's now or never. Very inspiring. Not exactly a small step for man, you candy ass. Borman, shut up and fire this thing up. Shutting up and fire in the hole! Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Here is the answer which I will give. The President wrote yes. Put your confidence in us. Give us your faith and your blessing. And under Providence, 
all will be well. We shall not fail or falter. We shall not weaken or tire. Give us the tools and we will finish the job. Those things don't get any easier. Uh, status report. I just sent my lunch onto the steering rig. Oh, stow it, Foreman. Uh, the string is successful and holding. We are in orbit above in New York, January 7th, 1918. Sally, confirm date of the anomaly. January 7th, 1918. Harry Houdini's famous disappearing elephant trick. It was a rhino. And therein lies the anomaly. How could all of our memories say one thing, but Sally's historical records say something else entirely? Well, if you go by the butterfly effect, theoretically, if something were to have changed in the past that directly impacted what we know, it could set a course of events that changes all that we know to be true. The only one who wouldn't be affected immediately would be Sally, but even her memory banks would eventually shift, which is why we have an algorithm to immediately detect the anomaly and catalog it for future use. Once her memory is changed, this catalog item fires off the alert. I know what you're thinking. Wouldn't the act of cataloging also change? No, it wouldn't, because the effects of the time change doesn't hit Sally immediately. She can catalog it before it affects her, and the data in her programming is corrupted, creating our anomaly. Ironically, we did it to protect ourselves from the time jumps to make sure we don't screw it up ourselves, but we never thought we'd be the ones to use it to investigate anomalies we weren't involved in in Oh, for the love of God, can we stop jabberjawing and get the hell down there? For once, I agree with you, Borman. Take us in. Aye, aye, mon capitan. We landing for this one, boss? No, not yet. Let's keep it at a safe distance and watch from above. We should see the rhino show up from the exterior. Cox, engage the cloak. Cloaking engaged. Do we have audio from below? Yes, sir. I don't get what the big deal about this is, even in this time period. The vanishing rhinoceros was one of Houdini's most famous stunts. People who were here to see it talked about it for years, and no one ever replicated it. Plus, it was the first time most of these people ever saw a real rhinoceros in person. I imagine it had to be quite thrilling. Oh my gosh, that's him. That's actually him. Harry Houdini. Sally, on speaker, isolate on those two men. It's a disaster. A complete disaster. I'm the master of illusion, and I don't even know how they could have lost a rhinoceros on the train ride here. People are already entering the theater. We can't tell them the show's canceled. It's okay, Mr. Houdini. I think I have an idea. If you can conjure a rhinoceros out of thin air, you're a better magician than I, good sir. I can't conjure up a rhinoceros, but uh, how about an elephant? What? Here at the theater, we have some trained elephants. You could use one of them instead. Elephants? Who wants to see elephants? No one. You know why? 
because everyone has seen them before. I was bringing them something unique. Ah, but this could be something unique. Elephants are the largest animals in the wild. You'll be showing them something bigger and better than a rhinoceros. You'll be causing a creature even larger to vanish before their very eyes. Hmm. Harry Houdini vanishes a monstrous creature taller than a man. You must see it to believe it. Exactly. How soon can you have an elephant ready? Five minutes. I think we have our show, good man. So did he vanish the rhino or not? Eli? I... I don't know. I confess I wanted to be a magician when I was a kid. I read all the books about Houdini, but I didn't bother to do any research before we left on this trip. But now my memory is fuzzy on this whole affair. Sorry, guys. Useless. Okay. We're where we're supposed to be, right? Yeah, I don't understand what's wrong. Colonel! What was that? Something hit us, and it was big! An elephant. Look, invisibility isn't all it's cracked up to be. I hope we didn't hurt the elephant. Colonel's breathing, but he's unconscious! Colonel Danner, can you hear me? Colonel? Your commander appears to be incapacitated. Shall I check his vitals? Not right now! What do we do? I need orders to comply. I cannot provide orders. We've got to get out of here. Buzz, you're next in command. What do we do? The hell you say? She's right. You're in charge. What's the play? Buzz? Buzz, what do we do? Uh, I, uh... Come on, Buzz, make a call. I think there's blood. We've got to get him into the infirmary. His pulse is weak. We might be losing him. Uh, I... End of file. Please return the audio file containment device to the courier upon exiting the secured room. Continuum Force was created by Transmissions from Atlantis Entertainment, in association with Brazen Winch Productions. If you like this program and would like it to continue, please consider joining our Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to exclusive Patreon content, behind-the-scenes interviews and footage, as well as early delivery of new episodes and access to episodes that won't be released to the public. Visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash Entertainment. Please rate us in your favorite podcast app and tell everybody you know about Continuum Force. For the latest news, full cast lists, and more on Continuum Force, visit our website at continuumforce.transmissionsfromatlantis.com. For more information on all of our shows on the Transmissions from Atlantis network, visit transmissionsfromatlantis.com. The part of Connor Dannard was played by Marcus Sally. Buzz Borman was played by J.C. Delatore. Eli Scherzberg was played by Dr. Scott Vigay. Sharon Scherzberg was played by Debbie Vigay. Denise Cox was played by Rita Delatore. CTC Sally was voiced by Kalai Picolicot. Ace Barber was played by Jesse Johnson. Dr. Usamara Alala was played by Amy Seville. 
General O'Shaughnessy was played by Boy Barrett. Guest starring Sasha A. Zuba as Captain Charles Vane. J.C. Delatore as Senator Cranston. Paul Arbizzi as Houdini. Stephen Hanafi as the stage manager. As mentioned, a full cast list can be found at continuumforce.transmissionsfromatlantis.com. This episode was written by J.C. Delatore, Dr. Scott Vigay, and Debbie Vigay. It was produced, directed, and edited by J.C. and Rita Delatore. This episode is a work of fiction. Any similarities to the living or dead, past or present, is purely coincidental. Historical figures events are a mixture of real history and fictionalized content. We've included links to The Pirate Charles Vane and Houdini's Greatest Illusion. We encourage you to go to your local library and learn more about these and many other historical figures. If we don't learn from our history, we're doomed to repeat it. Join us for our next episode in two weeks. Copyright 2019. Transmissions from Atlantis Entertainment in association with Brazen Winch Productions, LLC. Buongiorno. I am Flaudio, and I am very interested in what makes audio drama work. I want to share with you my recipe for a perfect evening, an evening for two lovers, lovers of audio drama. When I plan an audio drama, I want to make sure that everything is perfect for us. The soundscape is the most important thing to set the mood for the night. When I lay in a special ambiance or sound effect, it is very important because it can express what I feel so perfectly. A sound effect can speak for the story when words just cannot capture the love I feel. Love I feel for you. When it is dark, I turn on the sound effects, I turn up the soundscape, and the voices can then dance in a perfect state of bliss, where there is no world except the one we make with our love. No time except what is needed for our story to play out. A story that we will make come true. This audio drama public service announcement was brought to you by the Amigos.